We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast for Thursday, March 30th, 2023. I'm your host, John McKechnie. That is Mario Puig. Today, we are going to try our hand at a little uh, first round mock draft. We're going to try to run through the first 10 picks of the upcoming draft now that we are about a month away from things getting underway there. And we're also going to get into some underdog. Uh, talking about some of our favorite running back values, guys that we have a lot of exposure of in our underdog drafts, and then some odds and ends there to wrap up the show. It's going to be a good one, folks. Let's get it rolling. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast presented by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Mario repping his underdog right there. Uh, we we got Dulce uh, on screen and and uh, hopefully not not too confusing uh, to the rest of our viewers. Uh, I'm wearing a shirt with baseball iconography on it. Um, oh yeah, actually, people get really mad about that apparently because I I used to wear the the Brewers hat um, right on the air and apparently someone was like, I can't tell what this podcast is about. Is no, it about football or baseball? There uh, can't there can't be two that. two major sports. So I, I know I'm kind of breaking a cardinal rule there, but it is opening day uh, for for baseball. So uh, I'm in the spirit. I'm a, I'm a huge Orioles fan, as, as I think some of our listeners know, maybe all of them. Uh, but you yeah, can call me like um like an honor or like you know after the Brewers, I'll say go Orioles. You know. Yeah, we're we're yeah we are like uh, we're, uh, mirror images of each other that way. Like I'm I'm a Brewers well-wisher having lived in, in Wisconsin and uh, been, made friends with so many Brewers fans o- over the years up there. So definitely a Brewers well-wisher uh, can also call me a bit of a Braves front runner because I moved down here and then they, they won the World Series. Uh, a bunch of my friends down here, obviously Braves diehards. Um, but either way, um, I'm excited for baseball season to start. Speaking of baseball, did you get in on any uh, underdog uh, baseball best ball? No, I've um, I basically just haven't had time to look at baseball as much as I'd like to. So uh, honestly, I kind of got even blindsided by uh, opening day being already. I I just assumed it was going to be um, I guess on Monday or something because I was like, oh, it's April first or something like that or second. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm hoping to in like a couple weeks maybe kind of uh, 
catch myself up on the baseball landscape because I, I do like to follow it. And I, I, I did follow it pretty closely until like this past year when I sort of uh, got distracted. Fair enough. Uh, I, I got in on some. I, I really got uh, kind of sucked into it. it. It's it's fun to be able to knock out a, a baseball draft in like 30 minutes. So I, oh, I got yeah. a bunch of, of uh, underdog in under my belt for, for MLB. Obviously, it's still best ball season. Uh, for NFL, we still have some major offseason signposts. So like there's a, a lot that we can still uh, kind of gain some value from what we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later on. But uh, yes, ha- had a lot of fun doing the the underdog best ball MLB, but they got stuff uh, going on during the season. But of course, uh, use that promo code RWNFL. Uh, go ahead, get yourself signed up over at underdog, get your deposit match, get that free six month RotoWire subscription. That'll if you do it now, I mean, that'll get you all the way to week one of the NFL season. Pretty good. Um, but Mario, let's go ahead and let's talk some turkey. Um, because we, we obviously, we have the draft coming up uh, ostensibly. That's our forte. Uh, we're, we're good at uh, analyzing if, these prospects. If it's not our forte, we uh, maybe are not that useful. Yeah. Right. So we, we got to keep up that, guys, for a, as long as we can. I figure the best way to, to do that right now, again, with, with with the draft being a month away, is to, to do the thing that everyone loves, a little mock draft. So for for time constraint purposes, we're just going to run through the top 10, but we're going to talk talk out um, our, our thoughts for each of these so, potential selections and so on and so forth, May hopefully uh, generate a little, little back and forth here. But leading things off, Mario, Carolina Panthers are on the clock. What are they going to do? Well, the betting markets favor Stroud, and that would make enough CJ Stroud. That would make enough sense to me too. I would take Richardson, um, and I don't, I don't know enough about Reich or um, the politics of like the the Panthers front office interacting with Reich to know who's in charge basically and what they care about. So I have no idea. But yeah, it seems like at least uh, for now, CJ Stroud has moved ahead of Bryce Young. In the first overall betting markets, Young had been there, I guess, the whole time up until that change, uh, whenever that was. So, yeah, betting money is on Stroud, but I I don't know. I, I don't know if things can change at this point or if they're still, uh, you know, investigating that teams are doing. But I, I feel like it's too early to figure much at all. Like, I, I still think Richardson uh, has a chance, even though I'm obviously you know biased ranking him first. Right. So, yeah, with, with Richardson, like if you are a betting man, I, I think there's still value to, to be had on him. Although you might want to if if you do feel that way, you might want to jump on that sooner rather than later, um, because news out of Gainesville earlier today, I believe Florida had their, their pro day. He did a Zach Wilson throw. And you remember how crazy people. Went. Yes, uh, I, know, I know two years after the fact like that, that can be construed so many different ways, but. People were drooling, embarrassing themselves all over that that Zach Wilson run one way, come back the other way, and throw it sixty yards down the field. Uh, Richardson did one of those. Um, so the 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 pro day uh, choreographed toss, uh, Richardson did did one of those. So so look for, look for that to at least be uh, spamming your timeline for for the next forty eight hours or so, and, and whether or not that influences the the betting markets, I don't know yet. But better to be safe than sorry, I suppose. I guess it, it could, yeah. You're the Richardson optimist. Um, but and I could certainly see Richardson. I, th- I think the case, I think it does come down to, to either Stroud or Richardson. 
young young I, I just don't see him going first overall but with Richardson it'd be an obvious swing for the fences um, by the Panthers and with, with Stroud I think you're taking a guy who has a, has a high floor and I, I think that there's maybe a little bit too much fixation on on Stroud's high floor I think there's some ceiling there too um, I've kind of gotten over my skepticism as far as like the the whole Ohio State quarterback thing uh, not not that you 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 should be like dogmatic about that, but I mean the 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 evidence shows that that offense doesn't always turn out. Uh, the, like the onus is kind of on the quarterback to transcend uh, what what uh, lack of development that that system tends to give. Um, but I think Stroud can do that. I, I think he's impressive player. Um, really showed out against some tough defenses uh, during his time in college. I think he'd be a, a totally fine pick um, for for the Panthers at one. But I, I think obviously either way. We're expecting the Panthers to go with a quarterback first overall. Moving on to number two, are the Texans going to stay there? And if they do, who are they taking? I haven't looked that much at the Texans, so if there's some, uh, if there's like a good case for them to uh, trade down, I, I might have just, I might have missed it, and I don't mean to, uh, you know, skip it. Uh, I don't mean to, to act like it can't happen, but. I don't see why the Texans would really trade down because they need a quarterback and they should have uh, maybe not their first choice, I guess, but they, you know, someone good enough, some someone that they can't assume they'll have a chance at getting in subsequent years. Uh, so I think, oh man, I, I think obviously, oh, looks like John might have some internet troubles right now. Uh, I think Will Levis is concerning for a lot of reasons. But he too still seems to be in the mix for the top five. So I don't know what uh, I don't know how much authority Demeco Ryan's has with the Texans. I don't know what he or the front office care about. Don't know what they value. Don't know how they think of these quarterbacks. Uh, so I can't even rule out Will Levis going seconds. Can't rule out Bryce Young, Richardson, Stroud. If Stroud does not go first overall, I guess I would say that if Stroud doesn't go first, I would expect the Texans to take Stroud. But if Stroud goes first then it's a little tougher. Although I would figure again, I'm just kind of biased. I guess, I guess I can't even really answer the question, uh, but I, I have to lean Richardson. Uh, if Stroud's off the board and if someone's going to go quarterback, I, I feel like Richardson just kind of makes the most sense almost regardless of uh, who the team is, but teams, um, you know, like we saw with Zach Wilson. It's like the, the jets for no good reason, just completely fell in love with him. Any team can do that. Texans included. So, uh, it's it's going to be a quarterback, I think, and they could trade down, but I, I guess I'd be surprised if they did. Uh, I feel like they've they've got uh, a pretty good offensive line in place, and uh, with um, you know Robert Woods, Nico Collins is not exciting exactly at receiver, uh, but they did they did sign uh, Dalton Schultz, Damian Pierce, obviously good at running back. I think they are kind of like a quarterback away as far as starting their rebuild goes. Uh, so I think the Texans will go there. Um, let me check my mail here uh, to see if uh, John, yeah, he appears to be doing the old restart. So I'm just going to take the liberty of going on to the third pick for a moment. John can clarify his, his uh, thoughts on the Texans in a moment here, but I'm going to go to the Cardinals at three. And this is a team that has to trade down. Uh, they're just, they're just insane if they don't, or I don't know, I guess, uh, I guess um, as long as they're committed, I feel like they kind of have to be, even if they don't want to be. It's like he's uh, in his injured state, being on an expensive contract, he's not going to get them a whole lot 
if they try to move him. So moving him to take a quarterback themselves at three, I don't think really makes much sense for the Cardinals, especially since there should be teams like, excuse me, the Colts, maybe the Seahawks, Lions, maybe even Raiders, who knows, uh, who would be maybe even the Titans looking to trade up to that third pick if there's someone there that they want uh, badly enough. So uh, I think that the, the Cardinals have to move down, and I don't know who takes the pick. It could be any of those teams, and then the Colts are the closest. It would be cheapest for them. If they do go to three, I do think Chris Ballard is the kind of guy who would like Will Levis a lot. So I, the Colts' uh, suspicion. Um, but I, I guess it also could be Bryce Young. I, I, don't, know if, um, I don't know if Ballard's had any sort of um, change in philosophy as, as uh, his, his circumstances have changed in the past year. But it seems like the Colts got to go quarterback. Seems like the Seahawks might be interested at quarterback. Seems like the Lions might be interested. Raiders should be. It's hard to tell if they are. The Falcons should be. Seems like they might not be, though. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fluid situation. But I feel like we're going to have a number, uh, potentially, of trades. Like maybe like something like three in the top ten. And uh, Cardinals have to be one of those. But if the Cardinals... Don't move too far down if they're at, you know, four, let's say. Then they maybe should take uh, Will Anderson or one of the corners, I guess, uh, Witherspoon from Illinois and uh, it's, uh, uh, the Colorado one, Gonzalez. I think they have pretty good cases for going in the top ten. Uh, but Will Anderson, to me, seems like a Von Miller tier kind of edge rusher. He's like Maybe he's not going to be Miles Garrett, you know, not, not going to be like a J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald kind of presence, but – uh, there's nothing wrong with Avon Miller, and I, I think Will Anderson is pretty much exactly that. So if, if the Cardinals can get him in a trade down, that would be their best-case scenario. Uh, like I said, Colts probably going quarterback. Um, probably got to go quarterback. Doesn't even uh, matter that much who it is. They, they got to take one of them. Uh, the Seahawks, man, they're, they're tough because I think they are committed to Geno, but – it's hard for me to imagine them passing on, especially Richardson, because Richardson's got uh, even more than Levis, uh, more than certainly Young or Stroud. Richardson has that upside case. And and um, if he's in need of development time, which maybe he does, uh, having Gino there for the next two years gives them, you know, a, a, it doesn't pressure them to get Richardson onto the field. They can, they can kind of take their time with him and in theory, you know, kind of give him some cover to develop. So Richardson doesn't get past five, in my opinion. Um, I can't see the Seahawks passing on him, uh, even if they love Geno, which by all accounts, it seems like they do. Lions, this, this is a tough range of the draft for me, but uh, I think um, Witherspoon or Gonzalez pretty much has to go at this pick. Or assuming, assuming the Lions don't love one of Levis or Bryce Young, because those are the only two that I think could fall at quarterback to six. Um, assuming that the, the Lions aren't interested in either of them, then I think it's got to be Witherspoon or Gonzalez. And I, I guess, um, I don't know who I expect. To, basically, Gonzalez is the more toolsy of the two. He's, he's bigger, uh, probably quite a, probably a decent amount faster, uh, better leaping than Witherspoon. But Witherspoon seems to have a lot, uh, I don't want to say a lot more, but maybe more, maybe a considerable amount more skill as a corner. Uh, so Witherspoon and Gonzalez, I think, go in the top eight somehow. Uh, and I guess I'll say, uh, I guess I'll say the Raiders take Bryce Young or, or, or Levis, one of the two. So one of those two, and then Jalen Carter, I think, 
doesn't get past eight uh, where the Falcons are. So that's uh, we'll see what's going on with Carter. I I actually don't know anything about it, and I think uh, it's fair to read that a wide range of ways. It might be a big nothing burger. It might be an actual problem. I have no idea. I'm in no position to know the difference. But um, assuming it's not like a really big deal to teams if, if they're not finding more dirt on Carter as they look around him then I think eight is probably the floor and I, I say that as someone who's actually kind of skeptical of him previously like I uh, I did not um, share in the sentiments of Carter being a good first overall pick or uh, I don't think he even has a case to go ahead of Will Anderson is, the, is basically it so uh, wherever Will Anderson goes uh, Carter I think can go afterward I just I just don't really see um, the alternative as likely. So I think the bears at nine, uh, which they traded down from, from the first overall pick with the Panthers, uh, the bears at nine are pretty interesting in my opinion. Cause I don't know. I don't know if they're done, you know, screwing around and specifically, I, I think they still might move Justin Fields. So the way that would have to go then is it would have to be because Will Levis or, and I especially, I bet polls loves Will Levis, uh, Will Levis, or Bryce Young, if either of them were to fall to nine, and maybe they don't even need to fall that far. Maybe it could be like they fall to seven or something like that. Uh, I would not be shocked if the Bears trade Justin Fields, um, or they could they could even trade kind of down again doing it. They could do something like a, uh, um, no, they wouldn't trade down again. They, they might. Tennessee could do something like at eleven, uh, the eleventh overall pick plus a first rounder next year, plus, I don't know, Caleb Farley or something. And maybe that would be enough to get fields from the bears. And then the bears would take Levis or young, that kind of thing. Uh, I, I sure as hell wouldn't do it. I, th- I think the bears are absolutely insane. If they, they think about moving fields, um, if there are almost any scenario, uh, especially one where they just go to Levis or uh, I like young more than Levis, but I don't, I, I think going from fields to young would also be kind of a disaster for the bears. Uh, but I don't think Ryan Poles has shown great judgment, and so I, I don't think he's. Um, I don't think I owe him the benefit of the doubt there. Hey, John, is that thing working? Uh, you tell me. Uh, I, I heard you just now. Nope. Oh, okay. Is it so? Are we doing it? Are we working? Um, can you hear me, John? Uh, yes. Um. Okay, so I kind of took the liberty of running a – I ran a bit down the order. Uh, I got to nine uh, where I was was speculating recklessly that Ryan Poles still might have some scheme to trade Justin Fields. Oh, gosh. Uh, I I think that would be a a giant mistake. I think I caught uh, some some of your implication that 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 would be ridiculous. I'm I'm fully in agreement with you there. if you if you wouldn't mind catching me up quickly, yeah. Um, so um, I I figured the Cardinals have to trade down from three. Uh, yes. Any of the next like three or f- I guess five picks really. Um, Will Anderson I think is the best case scenario for the Cardinals wherever they do trade down to. Like I think if they can't move from three, and they they, they must be able to. They, there's no way they can't do it. Uh, but even at three, Will Anderson is still the pick. I think so. Uh, if they're going to four or five, six, seven, eight, whatever, they're, I think, still gunning for him. But if um, if someone takes Anderson before their next pick, then I think they're going uh, maybe Jalen Carter or something like that. I don't really know. 
but I was saying, I don't think the Cardinals can take a quarterback really. Um, even if they wanted to move Kyler Murray, what, him being hurt and on an expensive contract, he did, doesn't actually have like a trade market. So uh, they got to stick with him and, and basically trade down at least one time uh, to try to get a bunch of picks. Cause they, they have problems almost everywhere. So, uh, but I was saying those quarterbacks, uh, I, I think if Stroud is on the board at two, the Texans take him. Uh, if Stroud gets taken by one, then I don't know what the Texans do, but they take a quarterback. Like, I don't think they trade down. Um, so, yeah, I think it's quarterbacks in the first two picks. Let's say Stroud and Richardson or something. And then four, or rather three, assuming the Colts or somebody else trades up to it. Um, that would be a spot for Levis or Young. And then it's a question of like, based on, uh, given what's left, do any of the Seahawks, Lions, Raiders have interest in a quarterback? Like, do they care if it's if Levis or Young is there, or are they only interested in like Stroud, Richardson, something like that? Uh, but I figured uh, the two corners, Witherspoon and Gonzalez, both might go in that range, like five to seven, uh, depending on how those teams look at their remaining quarterback options. So when it comes to the, those two corners, um, how how far behind would you rate them compared to last year's top guys? Well, excuse me, Witherspoon's a little tough for me because we don't have, like I think he was hurt both at the Combine and his pro day, so we don't have any workout metrics on him. But I'm willing to trust basically the people who know more than me and uh, the people who seem to pay a lot of attention to defensive back plays. They all say like Witherspoon's just a terror so um, he might be very, very good. And then in Gonzalez's case, he maybe runs the risk of being more like a cover three kind of corner because uh, whereas Witherspoon, I think, can line up pretty much everywhere. Uh, Gonzalez is, is big and really, really toolsy. But uh, I don't know if he's got like the inside out versatility of Witherspoon. And I don't know if you he, he might be more like a Tarvarius Ward kind of corner, in other words, than like. I mean, even Gardner, you don't want running across the field, as you saw, like with that Evan Ingram play. Uh, but there's there's kind of a difference between being like a, a really good cover three corner, you know, like Richard Sherman, I guess, maybe the greatest example, and being like a Darrell Revis who, who truly just covers and, and doesn't have like a structure, a defensive structure in place to, to get him all these like bumper lanes. Um, so, yeah, Witherspoon might be the kind of guy that you can kind of like leave on an island and not assist with the rest of the coverage structure, whereas Gonzalez might be more like a Seahawks kind of corner uh, specifically. Okay. But, but both of them. Oh, sorry. I don't know. Yeah. I meant to say, both, both Gardner, I, I would say Stingley and Gardner are easily, easily better than Gonzalez. And it's just Witherspoon that I don't know about. Like Witherspoon might be about as good as them. I, I just, I, um, I don't, I don't know how to tell without the workout numbers. Okay. Yeah. That, that That's totally fair. That, that, that being, um, a, a bit of a incomplete mark on, on his prospect profile that does make it um, a bit trickier. Um, let's see, as, as far as how you saw like that, I think the, the intrigue, yeah, really does begin at, at three with, with what the Cardinals want to do. Like you said, there, there's so much um, for them to, to fix. Um, they're they're kind of tied to Kyler Murray, whether they, they like it or not. So I, I could see um, Las Vegas tra- trading up. Um, with with them and and if Richardson is on the board, I think that the the Raiders pounce. It, that feels like a very Raidersy move to make, but, but you know maybe, maybe it'll end up working out. Like we like we've said, we we've talked ad nauseum about about the the way things can go right or wrong uh, for Richardson. Who knows if if Vegas is the right landing spot for for that to 
uh, work out properly. But um, I, I think either way, I think Richardson is a top five pick. And I, I do think that the Raiders are, are kind of ripe to, to make a move up, especially with Indianapolis, unless Indianapolis has gotten into the L- Lamar game uh, before the draft. Uh, I think I, I think that uh, Indianapolis definitely is going to be in the quarterback market as well. I have them taking Levis personally. Yeah, I was saying I think Levis seems like a Ballard kind of guy, um, but I I do think whatever the case, there's basically no scenario where Richardson gets past five. Like I I don't think the Seahawks will move up for him, and I don't think the Seahawks would need. I don't think they consider anyone else other than Stroud. Uh, but I think if Richardson fell to five, they at the very least would need someone else to trade up and offer them a hell of a lot to do it. Cause I, I think they would, uh, they would take Richardson if he fell that far. And, and I just don't see any way that he gets past them. Uh, whereas Levis, Levis could go as Levis could still go first overall, man. It's ridiculous, but like he could. And so he's a weird one because he could go as high as one or two in my opinion, but unlike Richardson or Stroud, he could also fall past five and um, probably not far. Like the, like the Raiders, I don't know, Falcons, Titans, there's, there's even like, I guess the Patriots could get involved at some point. Like, I don't know if maybe the Raiders at seven uh, take uh, Mac Jones and 14 uh, to trade down from seven and the Patriots take uh, somebody there. I don't know. Levis uh, but yeah, there's, there's so many trade scenarios. It's really difficult to rule many things out at all. Uh, even if you ignore like, you know, the, the Lamar, Justin Fields kinds of questions. Uh, so yeah, it's a crazy scene, but basically those quarterbacks, after I, I, I believe Stroud and Richardson are kind of locked in the top five, um, Levis and Young, somewhere between five, maybe nine. You know, it's like either the team's there or someone else from somewhere somewhere else trades up to that spot to take them because it doesn't seem like they could really get further than like ten. And I think also we can rule out uh, Tannenbaum or whatever that one Jets GM who did such a good job. Uh, he's saying something about Hendon Hooker going in the top five. I really doubt it. But oh no way. I do. Yeah. I I think there's like no way just like, it's totally ridiculous. Um, But uh, what could happen uh, both um, like that was that Doyle guy, that, that one like columnist guy who's, who's uh, been around for so long that I I just don't know his name though. Uh, Greg Doyle. Yeah. The bald avatar guy. Mm -hmm. Um, He he had some, he was saying like, you know, I bet Ballard's going to, you know, I don't know if it was a trade down or just kind of like, waiting uh, till the second round or maybe trading up from the second round. I don't know. Um, but he was like, you know, they're going to, they watch for them to take hooker. And um, as, as one of, uh, I believe I can assume the the person listens to our, our stuff and, and follows along with us at some extent. Uh, Fergus might have been his name. Someone on Twitter that, that follow, uh, I'm a mutual follower of pointed out something that I think is actually really uh, smart and very much in, line with how Ballard normally functions, which is that if you take Hooker, it, it, Ballard is just a politician. He just is trying to keep his job as long as he can. He's not trying to win. He just wants to keep surviving, keep having his position. Um, that's all he really cares about. So the way Ballard thinks, there's, I think, a good chance he could convince himself, like, all right, well, f- uh, the, the fourth pick, we take um, whatever, Will Anderson, one of the corners, some some really good player who's going to go in the top five. We take them, and then we trade up from the second round to get that fifth-year option, John, uh, which you're, you're going to want on Hooker. Um, you're gonna, you, you can get that fifth-year option on Hooker and basically have him under contract control for the entirety of his prime, 
and mm-hmm. never have to pay him. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I think um, not just that, but uh, more so even yet, the, the cynical angle from, from Ballard would more so be if the Colts suck again in 2023, Ballard can say, look, it, it's, it's a rebuild. We're rebuilding, you guys. And I, I, wish, I wish Hendon Hooker didn't have that ACL injury, and I wish he could have been there week one, but he, he couldn't be there week one. We, didn't, we never had a chance this year. Next year, you'll see. Next mm. year. And, uh, yeah, so, so Ballard could see Hooker's knee injury as a way to basically just buy himself another year of immunity. There, Yeah, there you go. He's, um, you know, he, he's, done, he's done this in Ogdenville and Shelbyville. Now he's bringing it to Springfield. Uh, the the Monroe's, monorail uh, salesman t- type angle. Um, <sighs> he is. He really is. Uh, he's he's a. That's that's how the that's the best kind of GM though. The GMs who stay employed the longest are, are the, the kinds, uh, the Ballards, the the Trent Balkies, the guys who are not good at making football teams, but are good at just kind of like always staying employed. Yeah, it's um. It, you know, the, they they say in in football or or baseball and fantasy analysis, uh, you know, durability is a skill. Uh, for for these GMs, ability to not get fired. You uh, can't make the GM club in the tub. <laughs> Facts. Um, let's see. Mo- moving on. Um, I guess an interesting kind of like overarching question. Um, when when it comes to this particular class, obviously, like like we've established, corners pretty strong. We're going to see a lot of quarterbacks. Uh, come off the board early, but the other kind of premier positions in, in recent years and, you know, established over the history of the NFL, edge rushers and offensive tackles. It does, and there's an obvious one for the edge rusher. There's there's Will Anderson, and then it's, you know, kind of anyone's guess as to how the rest of it shapes up. Um, your thoughts on on this edge class, and could could someone like a Tyree Wilson sneak into the top 10, or or is he being kind of propped up a little bit right now he, he seems toolsy but uh, i want to get your read on him and then you know your thoughts on this offensive tackle class which is i, I think a few notches below what we've seen in recent years um, i am not an expert on offensive line play so all i can really do there is kind of look at the athletic metrics and kind of assess them however i will and then also leaning on people who basically know more about offensive line play to kind of hear what they say and see, you know, not that I believe everything that I read or whatever, but um, some things are more convincing than others. And um, sometimes people do point things out that are, that are really um, just insightful and true and and not necessarily things you hear everywhere else. So uh, I don't know in the meantime, how to rank these tackles, but athletically they're really, really great. And uh, there, there might be, I don't think there's really room for them in this particular draft order, just given the quarterback market and kind of the quarterback politics of the league at the moment. But there's, I think, three or four offensive tackles who uh, historically have the the frame and athleticism dimensions of top 10 pick kinds of offensive tackles. And um, I guess the one that I'm going to rank the first is probably, uh, yeah, you can tell I'm really – Hi, on the guy I can barely remember his name. Is that Paris Johnson? Is that the Paris something? Uh, well, wrong answer. It's Broderick Jones, but but continue. But Broderick Jones was uh, the other one along with um, – you're not even seeing him mocked that high, but the Tennessee ta- – Darnell Wright? Um, yes. Darnell Wright has – I guess he might be – he has kind of shorter arms is the thing. So and he he's, got the, he's got the whopper hands for, for an Whop. offensive tackle. Very, Whop. very strange. 
Whopper hands. Like uh, I remember the the before the the golden age of the Whopper commercial, there were there was um, a Burger King commercial where someone had like hands that were too small to to grip a Whopper, and um, oh, no. apparently he's got that for an offensive lineman, and it's very like bizarre. Yeah, I actually think uh, now that you mentioned it, I think that did occur to me when I was looking at it, and I ran uh, on mock draftable. Uh, you can run like a historical query for for players with. Uh, whopper hands or baby arms or what have you and there's uh i can't remember why but i i remember when i looked at it i i stopped worrying about it because there was a couple offensive linemen who were really good and had like eight inch hands or whatever Mm -hmm. so um but i don't know and he he also i am if i remember right he has like 33 and 7 8 inch arms which is not quite what you want but um he's an insane athlete and he's very in that he's he's a dense offensive lineman and he really moves uh fast so um you can almost imagine him maybe being like a poor man's trent williams or something like williams was that the the, the last two things but he also had like the arm length and you know literally everything else so uh but that that kind of athlete is rare being like 320 or whatever right is and having like the he was he like a 495 or something like that um because he was he's, i know it was like wow you don't you do not see that very often Right. And, and um, you know, when it comes to offensive line scouting, that this is a little bit more anecdotal and these things aren't perfect, but it can be a sign a little bit if a guy's like a five star recruit. And I believe Darnell Wright was and I think Broderick Jones was in Paris, you know, so like so sometimes, you know, the, these recruiting services do have a right when they when they put a fifth star on a guy, it means that they they have what what looks to be the, the trajectory of a future first round pick. And I didn't mean to skip Skaronsky from Northwestern, but that's who most like. I think Daniel Jeremiah might even project him as like the first tackle taken, and that could happen. Uh, Skaronsky seems like he's at worst like a a really really good guard prospect, but to me that's exactly what he is. I like he's got really short arms and he like shorter than Slater, and uh, so in other words, the concerns that applied to Slater, for which Slater proved an exception or seems like, you know, so far he's, he's proved an exception to that, the, the being too short, not enough reach too small, basically. Um, he's an exception in part because he's an insane athlete and to be the next Rashawn Slater, you have to actually be like Rashawn Slater. You can't just be like, Hey, I'm too small too. Can I come in guys? Like that's not how these probabilities play out. So I think uh, Skaronsky not being quite as athletic as Slater having worse reach yet, is like it's fine i guess to take him in the first round at tackle but there's no way i'm taking him ahead of johnson or uh jones and probably not uh the tennessee one either okay all right so that there's a there's our look in at, at the offensive tackle spot um quickly um your thoughts on the edge rusher and then we'll wrap up with your thoughts on what the eagles are going to do at 10 yeah i think wilson was another one who hadn't tested but he had the insane, he had the leg injury insane. Yeah, he has an insane wingspan, and his his production is good, but um, I don't know. He's a little bit weird as a body type. Like, I guess you might say Rousseau was a little bit similar, but Rousseau ran really, really well, and that's that's probably part of why he's he's turning out pretty good. And we don't know for sure what Wilson runs. So uh, if they got intel that that he runs this or that, and it's you know high enough figures to to clear um, you know the historical thresholds that you want it to. I have nothing against Wilson as like a top 10 pick, which it seems like he's widely mocked as, but I will say 
I think that Iowa one, Luke Van Ness is going to go a lot higher than people are currently projecting. His combine was really insane. Um, like the kind of stuff, almost like a Watt family kind of workout yeah. uh, for, for <laughs> Lucas Van Ness. So uh, he's going to go higher than I think is currently projected. Uh, Nolan Smith is weird, John, because he's a lot lighter than a lot of the other edge defenders. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't think he's worth of like he's he he worked out well enough to be a first round pick, but he's not top twenty. I was gonna say I I bet the Steelers might take him at seventeen just because okay. they kind of feel like they can turn anybody as long as they're an insane athlete. They've like a tar- you know Alvin Dupree, the uh, T.J. Watt, uh, Smith. Devin Bush. So uh, yeah, they they're the they have a history of tar- targeting these really hyper athletic defenders who are, you know are play especially if they play on a really good defense, which Smith did. And, um, you know, they, they, they have, they basically are like a, you know, a, like a university of defense or something like that. They've, they've had like the same exact, like, uh, like rigorous standard of, of defensive play for literally like 60 years now. So, uh, I trust them to make Smith quite good, even if it's maybe like other teams shouldn't. Yeah. So Smith, um, like you said, a, a little bit lighter, um, didn't really flash as far as like his, his pass rush repertoire was concerned. Like, you know, Ojolari had better pass rushing numbers. Adam Anderson, uh, when he was still playing at Georgia, um, was, was a better pure pass rusher. Um, I, I think a, a lot of guys were, but, but what, what Nolan Smith might lack as far as like that, that kind of freakish ability off the edge. I think he's a very smart football player. Um, you can add some size to him a little bit and he, he does have those athletic tools to where with the right coaching, like you said, maybe he does turn into, into something, uh, pre- pretty, uh, special, uh, wherever he does end up. And then finishing out this segment before we jump into some underball underdog, best ball, not underball. Um, what are the Eagles going to do at 10? Um, well, I guess you could say that a team with a roster as well constructed as theirs is ready to strike now, compete now as theirs could maybe justify taking a running back um, higher than recent precedent. So I have no argument against B. John Robinson as a projected pick for the Eagles at 10, but I, for some reason, I still don't think that's what's going to happen. Uh, I, I guess part of it is that I just think Robinson's generally overrated and i say which is weird for me to have to say because i think he's really really good but i think a lot of people are projecting him to be like like a lot of people i think point blank believe he's the best running back prospect since adrian peterson or something like that which Mm. to me is not even close to true so um yeah i don't think he's going to go as high as a lot of people suspect in general and um the eagles if they were to make another kind of pick um they definitely don't need anything on the offensive line. They don't really have room for a receiver or tight end to justify taking that high. Uh, the defensive line is still pretty well stacked, I guess you would say. Um, but I think um, they could take Tyree Wilson or somebody like that, with some him or Van Ness, somebody like that. But otherwise, if I was them, I'd want corner depth because Darius Slay is like 32 or 33 or something, and Bradbury's on only like a one-year deal. Uh, so maybe – um, who was it? maybe that Maryland guy, uh, Deontay Banks. I know it's that's high for him, but it's a lot higher than he's projected to go right now. But Deontay Banks's workout numbers are really, really crazy, good. crazy. And uh, the Maryland pass defense has been really good while he was there. So, I, this corner class is insane, by the way. I mean, even a guy like the the Minnesota one, the one from Michigan, uh, Ringo. 
I think they all could be in the first round. And uh, yeah, the, Terrell Smith, I guess, was the, uh, the Minnesota one. But yeah, I think uh, getting some corner depth would be good for the Eagles because they just don't have any. And they, they do have to worry a little bit about decline, certainly with Slay and maybe even Bradbury. Yeah, and you know, the, they were kind of staring down the barrel of both of those guys leaving uh, the, this yeah. offseason. Like, um, and that was in the midst of an otherwise, you know, kind of, not a mass exodus, but, but, you know, they've definitely lost some guys off of that team. Um, in regards to Robinson, it would be funny for discourse purposes. I think it'd be like really fun for, for that Eagles offense too. And I think it'd be pretty much. Oh, a, yeah, he'd be really good there. Yeah. Yes. But, um, you know, I think everyone uh, defers to the brain trust in Philadelphia, but, you know, the, the smart roster construction, you know, having the, the young quarterback on the, on the rookie deal, um, not even a first round uh, one at, at that. Uh, and those people tend to be uh, very anti running back. So for them to take running back at, at 10 would be um, for comedic purposes. And on, I don't think they need to, like they could get somebody in. there's, there's going to be guys in round three or four probably who can do whatever they need, which is basically just someone who's injury insurance on Rashad Penny. Cause if, if Penny is healthy, him and Gainwell are totally, totally good. You're not going to do much better than those two. If they're both healthy. No, that that's a that's a really uh, nice combo there. Um, let's go ahead and let's uh, move on over. Talk some best ball from our friends over at Underdog. We got a message from them. The 2022 NFL season is over. We know that, but the fantasy football season never stops at Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy football. Right now, you can draft in Underdog's the Big Board Tournament with one million in total prizes and two hundred thousand given out to first place. Think you know which incoming rookies will burst onto the scene in 2023? If so, now's your chance to draft them at a value. All you have to do is join the big board draft and draft your fantasy team, and that's it. In best ball, there's no waivers, no trades, and you get the best scores in your starting lineup each week of the season. And whoever has the highest scores at the end of the season win. Just head to underdogfantasy.com, the app store, or the Google Play Store, sign up with the promo code RWNFL, and not only will you get your first deposit doubled up to $100, but we will also hook you up with a six-month RotoWire subscription with everything we have to offer for free. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWNFL. All right, Mario, let's talk about some of our favorite uh, running back values so that that can either tie to guys that you have a lot of shares of thus far at, at their uh, relative ADP or, or other guys that, that are kind of standing out to you um, as, as you look at the, at the ADP settings and you say, well, that's a little bit too low for it for these guys. Yeah, John, by the way, it looks like the big board is full. So we'll see if uh, underdog, sometimes they'll do like a, a addendum. I don't know what you call yeah, they'll, it. They'll do like a sit. Yeah. The, Big board two, the bigger. Yeah, board. and it'll be like one fifth the field, but it'll have roughly the same, you know, entry fee to payout kind of ratio or whatever. Um, but yeah, uh, all uh, all the more chance to point out how uh, yeah these these things uh, don't stay there forever. So you got to actually get in there when when they're up. And great tournament like this is is new, quite attractive to a lot of people. Um, but yeah, John, at running back, uh, like I, I posted in an article uh, this the few days ago, like the players that I have the highest exposure to, and uh, J.K. Dobbins is on the cover. Uh, yeah, I saw he's, that. He's like the most expensive purchase of mine because he's he's like a fifth or sixth round pick, and I have him on sixty one point nine percent of my teams. Uh, so that's less 
exposure than I have to Israel Abanaconda, who's at 71.4%. But Abanaconda, I always got in rounds like 17, 18, 19. So it's a lot less, you know, real capital that, uh, relative to, to Dobbins, even though Dobbins is on like four fewer, five fewer teams or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think um, it, time to, I, I don't know who to talk about more between the two. I just love Dobbins. I think he's a top eight running back. And I think Todd Munkin uh, is a good coordinator. So uh, I, I think Dobbins is going to cost a lot more next year. And I'm, I'm buying in bulk right now. Yeah, I, I love the Dobbins call. I thought that um, the way that he bounced back uh, late in the season, I know he came back a little bit rusty, didn't look like himself. Uh, that that first uh, Steelers game on, on the road is like, okay, all right, he's back. Uh, and that's insane, good. too, that he was even back that soon. I know it was later than we wanted, but that injury he had was insanely brutal. Like, yeah. it's a miracle it didn't end his career. And it happened in a freaking preseason game oh, in, in Washington, the worst field ever. Cursed, cursed, awful. Um, yeah, so yeah. that sorry, I'm getting upset over things that happened like it's upsetting, John. Two years You're ago. right to be upset. Um, Thank you, but yeah, I, I think Dobbins is clearly a top eight runner, and if he is in even better shape, which he should be in 2023, like, I just I think he could win the league rushing title. Like, I think he's that good. Um, your level of concern about the Lamar situation as it pertains to Dobbins. So that would hurt Dobbins's efficiency. Like he probably wouldn't be a 5.7 yard per carry running back if Lamar Jackson is not playing. But I think Dobbins is even then like a, whatever, like 80th percentile rushing. Whereas now he's like 99 or 95 or something. I think he would still be like 80th percentile, uh, something over four and a half yards per carry. Uh, that's just the kind of runner he is. Dobbins is a... Uh, such a threat with the ball that like the, the possibility of him having a low yards per carry doesn't exist no matter what the team circumstances. He just happened to be really, really consistently around that like six yards per carry with the Ravens because Lamar is there and because they had like a, a pretty good um, offensive line run blocking wise, I guess uh, while he was there. Uh, but Dobbins, uh, he can, he can still be, I think like a five yards per carry kind of guy, even if they don't have Lamar Jackson on the field. <sighs> Imagine if uh, Baltimore had given him the ball instead of Tyler Huntley down at the goal line against the Bengals. Oh, what could have been? Um, <laughs> anyway. Calling out Greg like that was such a good guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, just a big old swipe at, at, at you know our, our favorite. Um, let's see. I, as far as exposure goes, I only have – so I've, I've done four of the – or I was able to, to get four of the uh, big board – uh, drafts in before that filled like you alluded to um, only one of one guy I have over 50 percent that is your guy is he a bonaconda um, I have oh, nice I have him in three out of four um, I'm excited about about him and yeah I mean th- this is this is someone who is still going way too late according to to the underdog ADP um, I think that 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 is going Man. to change the contest closed before or filled up before. By the way, I should mention though they do have the little board, which is like a little or yes. a three dollar buy, and that's still going fine. You got you got that one open right now for sure. Uh, but yeah, in the big board one anyway, Abenaconda never had the price adjustment happen. Like it should have happened back after the combine. He should have gone from a nineteenth round pick to like I don't know a twelfth or eleventh round pick, and it never happened. Everybody who picked a Benaconda locks in a five, six round profit is how I see it. Uh, in which, but the news there is he torched the pro day yesterday. Yep. So that that's exciting. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get some more little board action in uh, to, to scratch yeah, the itch until, 
until the the next. Uh, I want. I got to do it just to see how early event Anaconda is going now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the people are are curious. Um, let's see. Beyond Bonaconda, um, I feel like you know the, these are two guys that are high draft picks, of course, but I, I feel like both of them are relative values. Um, you know, Saquon Barkley. Um, I, I think it is someone to target. He seems to be going a little bit outside of the first round, like RB five. Um, I, I feel like he he's a nice play, especially if you go run a uh, receiver um, in the first round. I, I do like Barkley. I like him more than, you know, a, a B. John Robinson. Like we said, I feel like Isaiah yeah, Pacheco is, is not going high enough. So I have him in 50%. Um, and then I, I also, John, Oh, sorry, I was going to say, I often uh, double tap, uh, I guess it would be the sixth and the seventh with Dobbins and Pacheco, because they, they, they are, if you can get uh, like near the round turn so that not too many picks occur between, you can get both of them. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I'm liking the, the teams that I have with the two of them. Yes, bit, bit, big on that. I love the, the, uh, the, the Dobbins-Pacheco combo. Uh, that's strong. Um, I do have a, a good amount of Austin Eckler as well and then you know he's been uh, going later like uh, after the whole uh holdout trade request kind of thing came up he went from usually a top six pick i think it was to routinely falling to like 15 and stuff like that so uh yeah i think that's if especially if you got him like going a little bit later that was that's huge because Eckler should not have been falling that far nope i don't think so either so so you know but by the dip there and then um i, I still feel like damian pierce is, is going a, a little bit uh, too late, and I've. Do you think I've, he's going to go later after the single? I didn't. I didn't get a chance to see if he slipped after the Singletary signing, but I think that would be foolish. If so, I, I don't think Singletary is a threat to him at I, all. Yeah, I don't think it'll budge much, but at least like it, it's not going to go up. Um, I, yeah, I, I yeah. think. Um, so there, there's something to be said for that. So I, I think Pierce is still a value where he is. Like really, if, if Singletary is the only guy that that can take carries off his plate, I like. I like Pierce a lot. Um, and then, of course, as a good co-host of yours, I have a bunch of uh, Rashad Penny as well. Oh, I thought you were going to say Nick Chubb. Uh, but yeah, I love Chubb. I think I think he should be a top 15 pick, but he always goes at like 26 to 32 or something. It makes mm-hmm. no sense to me at all. So uh, I have Chubb on something like a third of my teams. I wish I could have made it higher yet because if Watson – if, if Nasty man is 80% as good this year as he was in Houston. Nick Chubb could get the rushing yardage title and the rushing touchdown title. It would not be strange at all if that happened. I think so too. I I've actually, um, I, I don't feel awesome about it, but I've leveraged a decent amount of, of Cleveland offense. Uh, in, I have in quite a balls. few Watson teams. It's a, yeah. It's it's the, it, Hey, look, I'm not going to win, but if I do, the money doesn't go to him, you know? Yeah, yeah. See, it's, it's, I'm stealing it from him. If anything, if you really, really think about it. See, there it is. Um, any other running backs that, that you're getting a lot of shares of, or, or guys that are going late enough right now, where it's like you want to jump back in on? Um, I wouldn't mind getting more Chase Brown, which is surprising for me because I, I, I kind of panicked after the combine and thought he was going to get, uh, especially after Bigsby disappointed. I thought people would need a new hype guy that. They, the new running back, they don't know anything about that they still hype anyway. And it's just mm-hmm. kind of like whoever gets the, the latest headline. And Brown had the headlines. So I thought Brown was going to go all the way up to like the 12th round or something, which I wouldn't even, I wouldn't call it completely insane. I think it would just be like a bad idea to take him that early. Uh, moot concern, he never moved up at all. Like he was going, uh, I think, in the 19th, 20th round. 
he still goes there sometimes. So I started taking him in the 16th or something because I thought, you know, that's that's 16, 15 is kind of the right range for me for, for Brown, but never needed to take him that high. Uh, so um, th- the reason I didn't get more is because I was also, you know, taking so much of Anaconda that I just kind of, uh, I would I'd go six running backs usually, and usually a Anaconda was the sixth one. So I'd have one spot left and I'd be like, uh, I, I think I'm just going to take a, a Benaconda in the next round rather than Brown now. But uh, Brown, I think if, if you got him later than the 15th, I, I bet he's going to be totally solid uh, investment this year. Uh, I like that. Um, and, and like you said, um, he seemed to check a lot of the boxes as far as the, that uh, post combine uh, inflation. I also like Charbonnet a lot, though. I, I just realized I got him on about 30% too, because sometimes he would fall into the, the 9 10 turn going after like James Cook and Rashad White, and he's way better than those guys. I have I have him on just one of those teams so far, so I, I got to fix that. But I, I am a, a Charbonnet guy um, as well. Um, but that's going to wrap it up for our underdog segment this week. Again, really good stuff, breaking down some running backs uh, that we are getting a lot of shares of in our underdog drafts. Again, use that promo code RWNFL. Get that deposit matched up to $100 over at Underdog. Get that free six-month subscription over at Rotowire. Get all the premium stuff that we're going to be putting out for the draft, all baseball season as well. You, you get access to literally everything at, at Rotowire. So go on, get in there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, Mario, as as we wrap things up here, um, any other odds and ends, any other things that that kind of caught your eye this week, maybe on on the pro day circuit? Um, so I haven't seen any further reporting on it, and I don't know what. Uh, I, I don't know if the numbers have been like you know verified or made official or whatever. But East Carolina had their pro day uh, two days ago or something, and. The interesting player there, since Keaton Mitchell already ran at the Combine and did really well at the Combine, uh, the interesting player at the Pro Day was C.J. Johnson, this receiver that they have who um, was was a pretty high rec- – like he was a borderline like four-star recruit. Like he had offers from ACC schools. But he went to East Carolina, and he had a team leading 900 yards, something or something, as a true freshman at age 18, which is not not something you often see. And it's also not often that you see a receiver as big as C.J. Johnson. He's like – I'll say like six one or six two, two twenty seven, and it's like easy weight. He's not like he's not like bulky looking with it. It's kind of just it's, he carries it pretty well. And uh, he, I think, said that he. I was listening to some some video clip that some whatever local East Carolina news thing posted interviewing him after the pro day, and he said he heard that he ran between the four four five seven and four six one in the forty, which is obviously not great. But because he's 227, I think it's kind of if, – if it's 457, that's totally good. That's that's like uh, – I think that's faster than like Michael Thomas ran, for instance. I think he was like a 458, something like that. Um, and Johnson is huge, uh, was really productive, uh, downfield threat. Like he's got really good ball skills, uh, really good on jump balls downfield. So that he doesn't separate with speed sometimes doesn't matter because he just kind of comes down with it anyway. And he's a menace after the catch. Like he's, he's not fast, again, but – He's he's like a he just kind of has like a running back skill set when he has the ball, which is not something you see in receivers that big. So um, I think he's pretty interesting, but he also had kind of like off the field questions. Like he almost got kicked off the team uh, before last year, uh, which was a very productive season for him. So weird weird prospect with super wide range of outcomes. But I, I'm I think it's a little weird too that T.J. Johnson doesn't get more talk because he has wide receiver one kind of upside if the if everything goes right like it. You know, guys like Brandon Marshall before they showed up were not expected to be huge players in the NFL. It does happen every so often, and I think he's got really unique wide receiver one upside. Otherwise, Christopher Brooks at BYU had a good pro day. Um, like I mentioned on Twitter this morning, he's better than Roshan Johnson as far as this like ostensibly big back kind of goes who could play okay. passing downs. Chris Brooks is better. Uh, he he had like a at two thirty. He had um, if you want to say like 80th percentile broad jumps vertical in a four, five, eight, 40, which is totally good. He, he was at, uh, he was formerly, Cal. Uh, he was at Cal and he had, he was Chris Brown or something like that. He changed his name. So he was actually a, he was like a workhorse as a true freshman at California and like kind of disappeared for two years. He came up at BYU last year, uh, did really well. So I, I think Brooks is a candidate to go in like the fifth round or something like that. And then uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but at, you know, follow you on Twitter, see, see what you're putting out there. Have you unearthed one Bryant Kobach? Is he something to, to keep an eye on? No, he was in last year's draft and he went undrafted. And I, I, I mentioned him as like, I, 
I will say, by the way, I, I still think he's he's someone who could pop up at some point. Uh, but now he's in like the Jeremy McNichols kind of category. Where it's uh. like that guy who was awesome in college and even had really good workout numbers, but for some reason never got a chance and, you know, kind of went undrafted. Uh, Nick, McNichols went in the fifth and, and got cut right away, whereas uh, yeah. Kovac just kind of uh, – he had a workout with the with the Eagles in January, and that's the last thing I heard about him. But I raised Bryant Kobach actually as a cautionary tale uh, regarding Ty J Spears, who mm. uh, I think he's fine, but he's been overhyped all off. Him, Tank Bigsby, Roshan Johnson are just like the holy trinity of bad running back analysis uh, this offseason, and all three of them have gotten a lot of hype. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, I guess I, I guess I don't, I don't want to like make it sound like I, I don't like the players. I'm just I just like I, I'm. It, it's kind of hard to hear just like gibberish all the time. Like people people on Twitter saying like gibberish all the time, and just like not listening to simple points. Like, look, I know Ty J Spears. By the way, Ty J Spears is the best of those three to me. I like him more than Bigsby or Roshan Johnson. But it's like he's 200 pounds and he's got a history of knee injuries. He's not well demonstrated as a passing down back. Yeah, you got people ranking him in like the second round and saying like they actually I think he might be the best running back. And I think this is a case of people just watching entertaining highlights and mistaking that for like evaluating a prospect. It's not mm-hmm. the same thing. It's just entertainment value that you're confusing this for. And Spears's highlights are fun to watch, but um, uh, he just, he just seems to me like a rotational guy. And if he's not even like a four four kind of runner, then he's not going to be as much of a big play threat in my opinion, as people think at the next level. Uh, yeah. Brian Kobach, I raised as the cautionary tale because he had better production at Toledo. I think at least as good, and I would say better workout numbers. And yet, look, what has his career amounted to so far? No, exactly. I, th- I think Spears will at least be buoyed by the fact that... Um, He'll get drafted. Yeah, yeah. He, doesn't, he, doesn't have to, he doesn't have to worry about going the Kobach route. I just think it's like, he's only to me like a better version of Ty Chandler or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. like a like a, a a really good fifth round pick and like an okay fourth round pick. Okay, all right. That, it's good to like you know just kind of sl- slap those like parameters on there so so we can like you know get it get a real feel for for what we're looking at uh, when it comes to these prospects. Um, but that's going to wrap things up for us here on the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast again, presented by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy for Mario Puig. I'm John McCackney. Thanks for listening. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.